This is a Radio 191 FM podcast. Depending on who you ask, this year's local election was somewhat disappointing. With only a 36% voter turnout and a majority of candidates being middle-aged white men, we can most likely expect more of the same from our local governments. The recent influx of national-connected and right-leaning newly elected mayors and councillors has been labelled a shift to the right by many media outlets here in Aotearoa. Many of these incumbents are former and current business people, and unsurprisingly, these candidates used their business and entrepreneurial experience as a bargaining chip in their campaigning. In Ōtipoti, these business people include elected councillors Lee Vandivis, Brent Weatherall and Andrew Wiley, as well as Mayor Jules Raddick. In Ōtotahi, businessman Phil Morga is now Mayor, and in Tamaki Makoto, National Party-connected former Far North Mayor Wayne Brown took out the top job. These are just a handful of the new business people in local government. While this may seem unremarkable on the face of it, it's important to know the distinction between running a business and implementing effective governance. Joining me to speak about this very topic and whether this year's election results are a sign of the political landscape to come is local elections expert Dr. Julian Molino from Te Wananga or oh sorry, Te Wananga Aranui or Tamaki Makoto. Kia ora, Julian, how's it going? Uh, kia ora, Zach, and to your listeners. Uh, going good, thanks. Cool. Now, this election, uh, we saw a lot of successful candidates using their business experience as part of their campaigning, the general rhetoric being that this business experience would give them the skills to rein in overspending and get that city, town or region's economy back on track. Does business, does business experience really translate to being an effective politician? And, uh, you know, are management and governance interchangeable? Uh, that's a really good question. Well, I've got things to say. The first is that there are some good transferable skills from business that people can take into local government. For example, one of the jobs that you're doing in local government is governance over a very large asset base that may be hundreds of millions or even billions of dollars in size. You may have a very large um, amount of debt on your books. You may be a very large employer. You may be entering into contracts with lots of different companies. And so knowing how to read balance sheets and understand some commercial law is actually a really good transferable skill. Uh, Back in the days when we had DHB elections, the public tended to, just as an example, they tended to elect people with on-the-ground healthcare experience, like doctors and nurses, which was really good to have those people on your board. But the minister would then come in and fill the remaining places on the boards with people that filled in skills gaps or representation gaps. So the two really big gaps was there tended to be a lack of ethnic diversity, but there also tended to be a lack of people with those financial management skills. So um, there there is a case for people knowing how to read balance sheets and understand finances when they go to local council. Having said that, this is the second point, I guess, is that business and local government are fundamentally different entities. They're different organisations. They have different missions and they solve different problems and they have different constituencies. And politics is a very particular skill as well. And business doesn't necessarily prepare you well for that. So if you're going in on the basis of being successful in business, you either have a very steep learning curve ahead of you or you're not going to get very much done. Now, these ex-business candidates are prioritised with minimising council debt and finding ways to cut council spending. Would you say that debt is the biggest issue facing local councils in Aotearoa? You know, is there evidence that it should be prioritised over, you know, uh, upgrading outdated infrastructure or making our cities more accessible? Yeah, well, debt can be useful. 
So if you think about uh, planning ahead a big infrastructure project, maybe you've done an investigation into where your future water supply will come from, drinking water, and come to the conclusion you need to build some new project and it's going to cost a lot of money. Uh, But if that infrastructure project is going to service the community for 50 years or 100 years, then taking on debt to pay for it is spreading the cost to ratepayers now, but also the ratepayers in the future. So you might spread that out over 50 years of ratepayers rather than lumping the bill with the current ratepayers right now. So debt can actually be really useful for spreading costs where they're actually going to where they're actually going to be used and among the community who's using them. So the people in 50 years' time are still paying something towards the cost of building that infrastructure rather than today having to confront up with the money. So debt can be a really good thing to do um, where you're investing it in some long-term infrastructure. So councils do use debt funding for big projects. Most councils in New Zealand have a debt cap which is a self-imposed debt cap. Mm -hmm. But what that debt cap does is it enables them to borrow at cheaper interest rates. And a problem that some councils are facing is that they're actually at their debt cap. And if they take on more debt, interest costs go up and they may also go down in terms of their credit rating. And this is, I think, one of the problems the government's trying to solve with Three Waters is, you know, councils are reluctant to put rates up to pay for water infrastructure Some councils can't afford to borrow the money that's necessary. So how can the government kind of force councils to do this and invest in the infrastructure they need? We absolutely do need more investment in our infrastructure, both our three waters, but also for climate change mitigation. And I think um, councils who are reluctant to take on debt or are at their debt ceiling and are also reluctant to put rates up are really doing a disservice to their communities because they are sleepwalking into the future. They are taking their communities into a future where they will be inadequately served. And they're putting off problems until the future. And future ratepayers and future residents are going to have to deal with these big problems. So you'd say that debt functions pretty differently between business and councils? Um, Well, a business might borrow money as well if they're investing in a long-term asset or something that uh, isn't going to depreciate in value, something that is going to... So you you as a business might take on debt, for example, to buy new machinery so that you can expand. So there is uh, a purpose to debt. Debt is not necessarily a bad thing. Right. Um, Now, back onto the kind of campaigning side of things. Uh, Many voters seem to be swayed by, you know, this value, that prior business experience is a valuable skill for having when entering government, local or otherwise. Why do you think this is? Um, I'm really not sure, and I don't think we've asked voters that question. So I think commentators come out and make all sorts of assumptions about voters sometimes, but we don't actually ask our local government voters um, a lot of questions about why they vote the way they do. Certainly, I think if we look, and sorry... Um, to your readers there in Aotearoa, but my um, to your listeners in Aotearoa, but my examples are Auckland dominated. But you know, on the campaign trail, Wayne Brown was saying, you know, I will fix this, and presenting himself very much as a Mister Fix It because of his background in engineering. Um, and that's a nice, simple message, and it's a really appealing message to people that look at council and see things that aren't working efficiently. The problem is that the mayor is then constrained by all sorts of things about what they can do. They're constrained by the law. 
they're constrained by the councillors. You know, the mayor is just one vote around a council table. And so the ability to come in and fix things and solve things really comes down to the mix around the council table and how good your political skills are at getting people on side. So I think it's a really appealing campaign slogan, presenting yourself as someone who can solve things, fix things, keep a lid on rates, keep a lid on debt. But the problems councils face are quite complex and the mechanism for solving them are political. And you can't be a CEO of a business and come into politics and expect to direct people. You have to get people on side. You have to win them over. Several uh, Labour and Greens candidates lost in this year's local elections, such as you know Labour endorsed Efeso Collins and Tamaki Makoto, and uh, Greens candidate Aaron Hawkins here in Otipoti, who was the former mayor from 2019 to 2022. Uh, many have characterised this loss in centre-left candidates as a shift to the right in Aotearoa's local politics. Other commentators like Morgan Godfrey, who wrote in The Guardian, believes that this isn't the case, and it's simply like local, local, constituents, local constituencies responding to their local environments. Would you agree with this framing, that uh, we're having a shift to the right here in local politics? Uh, no, I'd, I'd agree with Morgan Godfrey there, that what, it's really hard to make generalisations about local government in New Zealand because you've got so many different councils. Of course, there's not just the 67 district and city councils, but you've got a layer of regional councils as well. And they each have their own little ecosystem, if you like, of personalities and problems and issues that that, that they're facing. So I think it's um, really hard to make those sorts of generalisations. I think if you look at what happened in Wellington, for example, you had a very centrist Labour candidate losing to a much more left-wing Green candidate for mayor. Uh, in Auckland, absolutely, we've gone from a very centrist mayor in Phil Goff, but, you know, obviously Labour aligned in, in the past, losing out to someone who's definitely much more right-wing in Wayne Brown. So you can say that about Auckland in terms of the mayoralty, but around the council it hasn't switched to the right. Um, around the council table there's 20 councillors, seven of them are new. Uh, everyone who stood down was replaced by someone from the same left-right kind of stripe in Auckland. And we've had um, no switch in the people who defeated each other. You know, the balance is the same left-right. And I think, uh, certainly for a place like Auckland, it comes down to not so much left-right as people who are progressive or conservative. And progressive in just meaning progressing things, like being prepared to invest money and progress the city, versus conservatives who don't want too much change especially if that change means that it's going to cost money. And that's sort of where the balance falls rather than left and right. Certainly around Auckland Council, although we've got people who are aligned to the National Party and the Labour Party and unaligned councillors, uh, they're not whipped at all and they vote in sometimes unpredictable ways, issue by issue. So I don't think you can say in Auckland the mayor is more right-wing. He's going to have a gravitational pull. Um, but this is politics, and unless he gets the councillors on side, he's not going to be able to get anything done. And councillors have been elected in their own right, and they expect to be respected and listened to and involved in decision-making. So if he doesn't involve them in their decision-making, he will find even people who support him right now will, will stop supporting him and stop voting for him. So I don't think left and right is actually even a good characterisation at local government level. Um, we don't have strong party culture in most of our cities or, or districts in New Zealand. 
and we don't have whipping. We tend not to have whipping around the council table. So left and right, um, not such a good division uh, to, to frame local government with. And I agree with Gordon, uh, Morgan Godfrey that that wasn't really a trend we can observe around the country. And I apologise, I don't know the dynamics of Aote and whether Aaron Hawkins, elected as a Green Party endorsed mayor, was actually an anomaly and you've reverted back to the norm or whether, um, you know, there really has been a rightward shift there. You'll have to find out. Um, yeah. I think, uh, lastly, while I have you, um, do you think that local governments broadly, local government elections, sorry, broadly, are an indicator of where the national election might head? Or do you think they function relatively independent of each other? I think they function relatively independently of each other. And they have certainly have done in the past. As I say, that there's, you know, a lot of councils around New Zealand with their own little ecosystem of people and politics and issues. Where there might be some bleed through is that the government is doing some quite large reform in the local government space, specifically um, Three Waters. And so you might see, uh, if you've got a lot of people whipping up opposition to Three Waters in the local government space, that might bleed through to dissatisfaction with um, central government in the central government space. But apart from that, I think we can think of them as quite independent of each other. They don't tend to track the same way. Thanks for listening to a Radio 191 FM podcast. There are heaps more at r1.co.nz.